Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! It's the Dragons, banished the flag on. Gather round villains and welcome to Gather Round the Lamp, our Aston Villa podcast produced by underagaslitlamp.com. It was a hot one on Saturday as Stephen Gerrard's team dished out the chill pills to a packed Villa Park to douse the flames of the Bournemouth debacle. We'll be reviewing that and looking ahead to the away trip to Crystal Palace this weekend and potentially a busier end to the window than we might have expected. I'm Andy and I'm delighted again to be joined for this by Craig and Dan. Hi Andy, hi Daniel, and hi listener. Yes, delighted to be uh, here on a successful victory podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hi gents, hi listener, Dan here. Um, yeah, a win, a win. It's it's nice, it's it's amazing what a difference a win makes. But but as always, for those of us who sail aboard the good ship Villa, it's it's not been plain sailing since. So, so a mixed podcast this week, maybe. Yeah, a bit of a mix, but we'll uh, we'll come on to the, the the bad news in a bit, and obviously have a, a little look back at the the game, the Everton game. It was absolutely roasting at Villa Park um, on Saturday, as it was everywhere. I think in the country, it was not ideal um, football playing weather. I would I would suggest, and uh, you know, fair play to um, particularly to the the guys in the in the lower North Stand and the the lower Witten Lane who spent the whole game i think in the in the direct uh, heat of the sun uh, which kind of been particularly pleasant but um the team news was was interesting um it, it, it obviously came out a little bit before the game that uh, mings was going to be returning back to the the starting 11 after a, an apparent injury kept him out on the bench uh, last weekend um he came into to partner carlos um Interesting. Also, Ramsey kept his place after some criticism and being hooked at half time last last week as well. And then the other big change was obviously Ollie Watkins coming in to replace uh, Leon Bailey to join Danny Ings up front. Um, any any thoughts on the team sheet, um, Craig, on the on on these 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 uh, selection issues this week? Yeah, agreed with everything. I was um, I, I was surprised that Ramsey survived the uh, guillotine after really a lacklustre end to last season, a poor pre-season and a, and a pretty bad um, half against uh, uh, Bournemouth last week, although he wasn't alone. I expected Douglas Louise to come in, but other than that, Mings, you know, we wanted him back in. I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, Gerard climbed down uh, after that, I guess, it, explosion, media storm, I think we can say, uh, around the Mings stuff last week. And uh, Watkins, you know, Aston Villa just, are just a better team with Watkins in it. We know that Ings cannot play on his own, so really sensible cho- choices. But I will say for Ramsey, although I don't think he deserved to start, Actually, he really did justify his uh, his inclusion with some lung-busting runs, and he was really bright throughout, I thought. Ramsey's best game in months for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I, I kind of didn't want to see him start. I was Team Louise too, but I think it's 
It, it's a, probably his best game since that Leeds one. I think the Leeds one I was at, Villa Park, I think it's his best game since then. But uh, on, on the team sheet, I think Gerard fixed the mistakes that he made against Bournemouth. I think he, he didn't do anything groundbreaking here. He picked our best players in their best positions. Uh, I think this 4-4-2 diamond's probably the best shape for us. It's, it's not my favourite formation, but I think given the players we've got, it's, it's how you get the best out of our players. And I think... We saw that on the pitch, although it was very much a case of resistible force versus movable object. This one, so I'm not reading too much into it. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised with the the, the selections at all. Um, maybe a little bit with the Mings one, um, but I thought, you know, they they kind of they kind of covered it a little bit by by obviously talking about the injury. Um, you know, reporting the fact on Friday that Mings had been struggling with a with a groin injury and and he was now available for selection and I think really that that kind of told us everything we needed to know about Gerard's thinking in terms of bringing him back in and whatever's gone on or not gone on. Um, it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly the, the the right call I think and particularly given what 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 transpired um, during the game. Uh, with with Carlos, so you know, re- really pleased and 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 you know, good to see that front two. I thought I thought you know they picked up from where where they kind of left off last season. I thought they were you know they 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 were starting to really develop a a good sort of way of playing together um, last season, and they I thought they you know they they did really well. What did you think? Though? I just wanted to ask quickly about 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 Bailey guys. Um, you know, was he unlucky to lose his place? He's, I don't think anyone could be really throwing at the doys, the doys, the toys <laughs> at the pram, the doilies at the pram uh, for being dropped after the Bournemouth debacle. Uh, I think Bailey actually wasn't the worst player on the pitch, but again, it's not like he really offered enough to say that he must start this game. Uh, probably a little unfortunate. I think there were worse performers um, in that Bournemouth game. But um, again, it's not like Bailey pulled up any trees in that Bournemouth game. So it's not unreasonable that, that he was dropped uh, given that circumstance. Although probably he might feel a little bit hard done by having been really the star of preseason. Yeah, but then, I mean, we Watkins comes into the lineup. That that pairing, as you say, Andy, was starting to come good. I'm still not convinced by it, but but Watkins here was my man of the match. It was, he was superb. I mean, he created two goals. Sure, he did the classic Ollie Watkins thing of missing the odd chance, but I, I thought he was fantastic in it. And we're, we're a much better team with him in because he stretches the match for us. And, and in theory, Leon Bailey should do that because he's lightning quick, but... But Ollie Watkins is such a handful, as we saw in here. And, and you know, I, I criticise Gerald's tactics quite often and still will. But a smart little move to just switch Ollie to the right-hand side rather than his usual left-hand side of that front two. And I think he, he kept going down the side of Tarkovsky on, on the Everton back three and caused him all kinds of trouble. So, so hat tip for that. We're, we're just a better team with Ollie Watkins in it. Even if we could just Frankenstein's monster, Ings is finishing into Ollie Watkins' body, then, then we might have the perfect strike. Yeah, but but until that happens, let's just kind of throw them both out there. Yeah, I think I think it's gone. No, no, you're good. Go on, go ahead. No, that, I think that that's it. That's that's what seems to be being said, and whether whether maybe maybe Archer has um, in time will have the the two sides of. Uh, of of those two players, maybe you never know, or you know, but uh, they certainly seem to work well together. I think they enjoy playing together, and um, 
you know, it was good. It was good to see. But I mean, the first half, you know, I, th- I was pretty impressed with how how Villa started, in particular, as we as we talked about, um, Jacob Ramsey made a couple of really early sort of breaks um, down that that left hand side. You know, really seemed to 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 put put the Everton um, defence under pressure early on. Um, it was, I mean, in the heat, I suppose, slightly. Um, you know, slightly difficult to to maintain that for for ninety minutes, but he certainly he certainly had a, had a had a good match generally. Um, you you said Craig that it was it was the best performance you'd seen from Ramsey um, for for some time. So what 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 did he bring to this? What 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 did you see that you've not been seeing for for all those months? The ball carrying. The ball carrying, particularly when you have players like uh, Connor Cody and Tar. Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky, um, <laughs> these people can't, they're not the most mobile, it's fair to say. Uh, Holgate isn't too bad, but but Ramsey had the legs on him as well. And it just frightens people when you have a, a player that can carry the ball at such speed and with such power and pace as, as, as Ramsey can. And also he's got the technical skill and the intelligence to manoeuvre the football and create goal opportunities for himself as we saw last year particularly against Norwich and and Leeds he can also finish it himself as well so when you have that kind of ball carrying um, prowess against a team with with centre-halves who lack mobility it really made sense for 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 us to use it my only slight critique I guess I don't think it's even a critique is that some of those long busting runs were coming a little bit too far wide for me I would like to have seen him get on the ball in, in more central areas and really go at the heart of the defence and, and maybe, um, you know, ask some questions of them that way. But really good from Ramsey. I think that we know in terms of Jacob Ramsey, we don't. he's not like a passing metronome. He's not going to be in the middle dictating the play and spraying balls left and right. That's not his game. He's a, he's a ball carrier and he's a runner. And runners need space to operate in. So probably that's something we can think about moving forward, depending on the kind of opposition we're coming up against. Maybe Ramsey is one for where we're going to be counter-attacking, where there's going to be space, and, and maybe Douglas Suiz, who has a better range of passing, better, better, better uh, for, for those kind of things, could, could, be better, could be better suited to a more closed-off technical kind of game. Yeah, I, I think the point about Ramsey going wide is a really good one. It, it's some great runs, really great runs. He's he's the best player I've seen on the ball at Villa, well, since Grealish, but he's got a touch of the Grealishes about him, the way he just seems to glide with it. But there, there was a good Tifo video that came out on Saturday about how Villa deliberately emptied the middle of the park and tried to build up down the flanks and overload down the flanks. And I thought it was really noticeable in this game because there were whole periods where if you paused it, there was no one, no one in the middle third. We had tons of people up front, back line and just an empty chasm in midfield and and we turned it over a couple of team, times and a better team than Everton might have punished us but um, I, I really like Ramsey I think he he's possibly better when he goes wide because then he can cut back in again I'm just not necessarily sure that Super John McGinn is the best partner for him because I think he you know John McGinn has a tendency to drift wide too and I don't think you can have both of those midfielders going wide but but it's nice to see Jacob 
back to his best because I was hating criticizing him. He's, he's just got a face. You don't want to criticize him. You think he's going to cry even though he doesn't hear you. And <laughs> I hate the thought that he, I mean, he doesn't listen to this podcast, but I hate the thought that he would and, we, and he'd hear we us criticizing that, him. We but, don't know that he doesn't <laughs> listen to the podcast, Daniel. I'm sure all the Villa players, just a shout out to uh, Bjorn Engels. I think he still listens to the show after his <laughs> time at Villa. So Bjorn, hope you're getting on well over there. Uh, we, we miss you, Bjorn. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure any of them do really. And if they do, then they then, probably hey. should be doing something else. I was going to say, let's be honest. If they're listening to this, they have far too much time on their hands. Like, go back out and do a double session, lads. Yeah, get your handicap down. But I think um, I, I was I was really impressed. I was I was surprised to see him in the starting lineup. Um, and I just saw that that first run he did down the side, and I thought he's up for it today and he fancies it and he fancies um, himself, you know, maybe in the heat, maybe that, that little burst of pace he's got, you know, might catch, catch the Everton defense a little bit by surprise. And he, he did drift in and out of the game because, you know, it's not easy to, to maintain that for 90 minutes, but he, he, when he gets on the ball in that channel, uh, and he goes at the full back and then you've got Dean overlapping and you've got he's he's got Coutinho inside and he's got you know obviously Wings and Watkins I think it's so dangerous um and then of course in the second half he had Buendia who we'll talk about in a, in in a, in a little while as well and that that uh, that I think that just terrified Everton and I think you know we probably should have made a bit a bit more of it really but um yeah, really good and really great to see him back. And I think he's put himself back as a as a first choice again. Um, obviously, we'll see how things pan out with with Douglas Louise. I think we maybe we're still waiting for him to to commit fully to the club before before he's given too much um, game time. But you know, we'll see we'll see what happens um, in the next uh, couple of weeks. I'm sure that'll get sorted one way or the other. I think Ramsey <laughs> set the weeks. tone too. Just one thing, hats off to the Villa players. We started like a house on fire and I think we needed a reaction and I think we started so slowly against Bournemouth. It was good to see us come out the traps absolutely flying. And, and I wondered if there was a bit of smart man management from Gerard letting the players walk out onto the pitch with their children, I think it was, as the mascots. And and maybe Jacob Ramsey should have come out holding one of his brother's hands or something. But it was it was a nice little touch from Gerard because I think you're walking out with your kids, there's that little bit of extra pride it maybe added to the occasion. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's something we've regularly done, but it just felt like a smart little bit of man management to, to let the players do that. And, and you could see it in those kind of opening five, ten minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and obviously we, we we had a little bit of a potential setback, sort of midway through the half, as uh, Everton had a goal disallowed, which rightly disallowed for offside. It was clearly offside, but I did, I did think for a a few brief seconds that we were <laughs> we, we were that it was suddenly going to turn nasty again, and uh, you know you're you're always a teetering on the edge of um, you know oblivion at Villa Park if uh, if you let a goal in. But um, it was not to be for the, for Everton, and and in fact, I think it, it it maybe sparked something again in Villa, and um, Villa took the lead. Then um, thought a really good ball over the top into space uh, to Ollie Watkins, who who did what he does really, and he you know he created some havoc down down the right hand side, and you know low cross, Dannings. It looked like um, from where I was in the whole ten that that. That Coutinho had kind of fluffed it, but I think Ings kind of took it off him and 
turned the other way and then you know slammed in a really a really nice shot um how did you how did you assess this goal craig um first of all really nice from john mcginn who who was much better um all around that's uh, john mcginn we we, we want to see i think moving forward um lovely uh, interception from him lovely challenge won the ball and then for some strange reason um everton had left it was two on two and acres of space the freedom of villa park um uh, not a difficult ball from again over the top into that much space but still you got to play it he got it right watkins ran onto it and then you know everton are in big big trouble i actually think that the the the, the pass from watkins may have been a touch spicy for inks um, it was a bit, maybe a bit slightly over hit, but Ings has elite, elite status in the final third like that. He absolutely comes alive in that final third. I dare say he's almost exclusively useless outside of the final third, but in the final <laughs> third, he is as good as it gets. And that finish on the half turn with that power to generate that kind of power, that is top class. That is Harry Kane stuff. That's Mo Salah stuff to finish, um, which is why you persevere with Ings because although he doesn't do a lot else in other areas of the pitch, that is why you spend 30 million. And that kind of goal is is a kind of goal that no one else probably in our team besides, uh, probably no one else in our team scores that. Maybe Archer could, but it was really nice control from Ings and, and, and what a finish. And Really nice team goal on a counter-attack, and it's nice for us to punish a team finally. It seems like every mistake that we we make gets punished with a goal, and Everton, for some reason, left 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 those guys two-on-two, two and we punished them ruthlessly, and I really love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'd much rather see Danny Ings there than defending near post at corners again, because that gives oh, me kittens yeah. every time he does it. <laughs> and we saw that in this game again, but... Craig's right. I think he miscontrols it at first and he still has the presence of mind to turn and, and pop it in. And it was a really, really smart finish. But I mean, the goal's made more by Everton's mistake than it is by Villa's attacking brilliance. And, and as Andy said last week, football's a game of mistakes. You've got to capitalise on them. But it was it was naive defending from, from Everton. They, they were trying to to get one of the centre-backs to step up and help him in midfield and hold on to the ball and gave it away and... But I think it's a sign of, of Villa's best route to goal. We're a transition team. We score goals when we're on the counter-attack or when we win the ball high and then counter. And that's why Ollie Watkins has to be in the team for me because he stretches teams vertically. We saw against Bournemouth, it's too easy to defend Villa when there's no threat in behind. And I think what we saw here is, is the benefit of having an Ollie Watkins in the team because McGinn can pop that ball over the top when we win it. And and I know Gerard's trying to make us more of a possession team, and, and maybe that is our ultimate evolution. That's that's the butterfly we'll eventually kind of become. But right now, we're still a, a bit of an ugly caterpillar, and I think the, the best kind of goal for us to score is when we wing it, win it back, get it up the pitch quickly, and, and catch teams out. And, and I think this goal was a perfect example of that. And and timely too, because I think if it had gone in nil-nil at half time, it might have been a bit nervier around Villa time. So it was a good time to score, and I bet bet things went a bit mad in the whole early. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a, it was a bit of a a relief as much as anything. I think I think you know it was it was obviously a really good goal and sort of brought back memories of Danny Ings and his his overhead kick last season in the first home game of the season after we'd lost the first game uh, pretty poor um, the week before. So, 
you know, is, is you know, is, is is popping up with that that goal and 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 doing what strikers do, you know, relax the crowd, you know, you know, take take your chances. It, unfortunately, I think you know he, he does come alive in in the final third. You're absolutely right, but there were two occasions, too many occasions last season, I think, where he he missed chances he should be taking. You know, lots. I mean, we were talking about it. It felt like we were talking about it every week, you know, chances that both yeah. him and Watkins had missed, you know. But. You, you, you expect it from Watkins, I guess. And and I've, I've decided I'm not going to be upset with Ollie Watkins anymore for missing those those chances because it's just a waste of my emotional energy. <laughs> but with Ings, but what, Watkins does so much else for the team, as we saw on, on Saturday, that you, you, you can kind of understand it to a bit. For, but for Ian, Ings, for me, he's such a passenger otherwise that he kind of has to score just to warrant his position in the team. Because if it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's like playing with 10 men, but it's not far away. Maybe, maybe 10 and a half. Um, and, 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 and just, just a point I wanted to make on, on the Watkins miss, um, which I, I didn't mention earlier, that miss, it wasn't about the shot. Again, it was about his first touch. His first touch was yeah. awful. The amount of times his first touch kills him is, is frightening in those kind of positions. And that's, and that's something that he can develop. That I mean, it, it's it, it can be worked on. It can be improved. So I, I hope he does improve it. But as I say, Andy, I've decided I'm not getting upset with him anymore because it's just a waste of my emotional energy. He's going to miss chances because he's not a very good finisher and he's not very composed in those places. But he's the, as 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 Daniel said, the best Villa eleven has Ollie Watkins in it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think we'll, we'll we'll come back to um to Watkins a bit a bit later on um as as well um but yeah I mean it was it was great to go in sort of uh, one up I thought it was deserved as well uh, on the balance of play without without any question really um, second half was you know uh, pr- pretty good as well you know just um, obviously more of the same really from from the first half. Um, Sort of midway through, um, I think it was midway through. It felt like midway through the first half. Um, they brought Buendia on to replace Coutinho, much to the uh, much to the delight of the of the Holt end. Um, and he really added some some spark to the team. I think I think he 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 gave the um, the attack uh, a second wind when he came on. Um, he was really busy buzzing around. Some 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 dangerous getting into some really dangerous uh, positions, um, and of course, um, he, he was all about him for the for the for the second goal. Really, he 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 took the ball in midfield, ran towards the the penalty area, laid it off to to to, to Watkins, who returned it back to him, and he uh, he did his best to miss it at the at the far post, <laughs> um, and it just crept inside the uh, into the side net in there, but. Um, I mean, got to ask you about Buendia. I know we 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 talk about the the Buendia Coutinho debate all the time. I personally don't think there is a debate. I think they're they're both. Well, there good isn't players. any more, Andy. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that any debate I, I, is finished. I think they're both. I think they're both obviously um, quality players. Um, but anyway, tell me about Buendia, t- Craig. T- talk to me about what he added to the team when he came on. <sighs> Um, well, the old Frankenstein movies or Frankenstein, if you're looking at the, uh, the, the, the Mel, um, Brooks version. Anyway, it's that moment Villa were the, the, we've got this kind of 
Frankenstein's monster of, of parts from different eras at the football club kind of cobbled together and it just wasn't working and then the moment when well it was working but it wasn't it wasn't fluid it wasn't beautiful and then the lightning hits as soon as Buendia comes on and it's alive it's alive is what happened all of a sudden the sun is shining the birds are singing the uh the the, the people are floating around looking beautiful and and it's all sunshine lollipops and rainbows that's the only way i can describe it villa were given an electric shock a lightning bolt of of of, of energy a verve of of passion because Wendy is so passionate he's like a little firecracker in there and his his not just his quality on the ball but his whole demeanor is in stark contrast to Philip Coutinho. And I think that's, that's not a criticism of Coutinho. I think it seems to be like a personality thing. Uh, Coutinho seems very gentle, very sanguine, very poetic. You would be, you, you wouldn't probably, he wouldn't be at a place probably uh, in a Parisian museum talking you through some artwork. Whereas Buendia, I think, would be in the disco, in the Latin disco, kind of getting it on with, 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 with a couple of senoritas. And that's the difference. Uh, uh, Buendia brings the salsa. He brings the he brings the he brings the verb. Whereas um, and 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 that was what changed. It was like um, it was like yeah. I, I'm I'm running out of metaphors. But the last one is <laughs> we went. It was like <laughs> it was like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we went from black and white to color, and that was what happened when Emmy Buendia came onto the pitch. The defense rests, Your Honor. I. I I mean, I've got a torturous metaphor, but it feels out of place now that Craig's just thrown all of those out there. But it's, I'll, I'll revert to some stats if, if I can. For 60 minutes, Coutinho was on the pitch. No shots, no chances created. 30 minutes on the pitch for Emi Wendia, three chances created, two shots, one of which was a goal. I mean, it's, I don't want to hit... Are you calling that a shot, Dan? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to hit the big red button marked Buendia versus Coutinho, but I think it's time we have to. And I think the knock to Coutinho might be a blessing in disguise for for Stevie G. But I mean, to 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 pull out my own tortured metaphor, I, I think Coutinho is a Rolls Royce of a player. He absolutely is. But you don't enter your Rolls Royce into a destruction derby, and and that's when you need the little car who can. And and that's what Buendia is. He's against teams like Everton who park five four one, leave us no space. You need a player that creates space. And Coutinho is a player that thrives in space, but he doesn't create it. You saw when Buendia came on, he was everywhere. Left wing, right wing, runs from deep, dropping off, demanding the ball from people. He looks genuinely like he's going to stab someone if his teammate doesn't pass him the ball. Like He's got that passion and he's always looking for it. And you need that in a game like this. Whereas I think Coutinho is the guy, when you're playing a top six team who will leave themselves a bit more open and you can hit them on the counter. Or maybe in the last half an hour of a match after only Wendy has tired him out and there's more pockets emerging. But, I, you know, it's not even a versus, an either-or conundrum because they're both great players. I think, as Craig says, we just work better with Wendy in the team and, and sometimes that just happens. A certain player makes a team click, as, as Craig so nicely said about Trezeguet last week. So I think it's, you know... <laughs> I think that's what happens when Buendia, and, and it's it's not a question of who should start now. It's Buendia should start. He's he's five foot seven of football heaven, and he's got to start on uh, on the weekend against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I think he's five foot eight. So, <laughs> but it doesn't rhyme as well. <laughs> but uh, no, I I I think um, I think I mean possibly the decisions made anyway. If, if Coutinho, you know, has got a knock, although it didn't look too. Um, 
too serious. But I think, you know, I think you have to give when a when a player comes on and makes that kind of that kind of impact. Um, managers are, you know, not obliged, but certainly should be encouraged to uh, to you know to to give them a to give them a fair a fair crack. And I think I still I still say it's. When you're talking about the 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 the, 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 the talent, the ability of the two players, you know, uh, you know, you 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 choose Coutinho, but certainly the impact that each player that the players are having, and and Gerard's job is is to actually is to find the best the best sort of formation of of, of all the talent he has to be able to 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 go and and address each match, doesn't he? So, you know, I think I think we are we are at that that point now where. Buendia needs a run in the side, you know, because I think he's 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 ready to be unleashed. He was he was hugely disappointing for me last season. I, I wasn't impressed with him at all, and I wasn't at all concerned that Coutinho had come in and stifled him because I think he stifled himself in in many ways. I just don't think he was he, he made the step up very smoothly at all. But I think he's he's ready now. He he looks up for it. He's um. He knows his place in the team when he when it when he comes on. He knows he's confident about the kind of impact he can make, and uh, I think he's ready. I think he's ready. And I'd, I'd be giving him like I'd be giving him the next five games, and and you know, and and, and see how he does. You know, I, I did say to someone that um, you could give Buendia five games, and um, after four and a half, the crowd will be chanting for Coutinho. <laughs> but you know, we'll we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see. And I think I think I think it's the right thing to do now. I think Coutinho has not started the season. I thought he was okay on 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 Saturday. You know, kept the ball ticking over. He, he didn't do anything majorly good or majorly wrong, really. But he he didn't do what he was there to do really and I think um, I think now's the time and I think uh, is ready to go well that's good to hear Andy because you've been resistant <laughs> for a while I think you've said in the past Coutinho must start and I I would like to see both of them I think there's a possibility you could do that you'd need to probably drop John McGinn and, and play a double double pivot but it also is just about form you know yeah. different players are in form at this moment in time Brendia is in the better form, so Brendia is going to be better for the team. Let's say we get to um, November and or, or whenever we come back from the World Cup, sorry, in um, uh, in January, and let's say Brendia loses some form, and you bring Coutinho in, and Coutinho has a purple patch as he did last January for us. It doesn't mean that you bin one player off forever. It's just a question of playing the players in form and that, you know as an international fan looking forward to the world cup that's one thing we've screamed out for as england fans just play the players in form and 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 so many times players are just picked for england and for aston villa at this moment in time on name value only and i think it it would behoove steven gerrard and other managers gareth southgate to pick players on form because that is you know you know give them a chance while they've got it Buendia is the man right now Coutinho can have a, a couple of weeks on the bench and um and we'll see how we get on yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Craig in that because I think Gerard has to play him because otherwise what what do the rest of the squad players think if you're playing as well as Buendia has done 
you're given your chance from the bench, you've patiently waited to come on, and you come on and you change the game. If you don't start the next week, what does that tell the rest of the squad? It tells you there's no way into this starting eleven, no matter what you do. If, if someone who's performing like Buendia is in that kind of cameo, I think you have to let him start the next game because it dangles that carrot to the rest of the squad players. Maybe then Morgan Sanson gets off of Twitter and starts challenging John McGinn for a spot. Maybe Courtney Hawes steps up and, and fills Carlos's boots. Whatever it is, you need to show players that there's a route into the first team. And the only way to do it is when they perform well when given their chance, you do it. And then it, it lays the gauntlet down to, to Philip Coutinho. Did you come here just to, to pick up the money and play for your mate? Or do you want to fight for your place in the team? Like, you've got to unseat Emi Buendia now. And it it raises them both the whole way. And it's um, I, I think he's absolutely got to start for the good of the squad and for the good of the team. And, and I kind of... Craig's point earlier about Ings being a bit of a luxury player that you have to carry to a certain degree I think it's the case for Coutinho too he's he's more effective than Ings but he's still something of a luxury player and I think carrying two luxury players is a step too far and I, as you you know the little street fighter in, in Buendia I want to see him and his taped up thumb come on and and dive into challenges it's just good to see yeah I think I think that the point is really that if if Coutinho was playing to his level then 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 Buendia wouldn't get a sniff. Yeah. That that's 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 the that's the fact of the of the matter. He is he is a you know, talent wise, he's he's on a different level to everyone in that in that squad pretty much. Um so if if that was the case, if if Coutinho had been ripping it up for, for, for sixty minutes and then Buendia came on and did his thing, you'd probably still stay with Coutinho, but he's he's not. And that's the thing. It's it, it, as Craig says quite rightly. It's it's about it's about the form, you know. Um, I'd I'd still if I was if I was pushed, I'd I'd I'd, I'd still pick Coutinho. If we were playing the FA Cup final uh, next weekend, I'd, I'd pick Coutinho. Um, but you know, I do think there is there is a case that um, that that, that uh, now is the time. Now is definitely the time for Buendia. And remember, Coutinho. Um, isn't just playing for his place in the Villa side, is he? He's mm-hmm. playing for his. Well, they're both playing yeah. for a, a place in their respective countries' World Cup squads. So, you know, and they will both play in every game, <laughs> probably. So it's 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 a lovely position to be in um, for Villa. And if you could get them both firing, um, what a frightening prospect it is, uh, really. But another frightening thing about the game was as soon as we had that wonderful moment. Um, Literally seconds later, um, Luca Dean scored another goal for Everton. <laughs> He's obviously missing them, missing uh, being on the on the on the score sheet for them. And you know he uh, he 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 bundled the ball into in, into our own net um, to to really set up a bit of a a bit of a um, you know a dodgy end to the game. Um, we don't want to dwell too much on that, but we must talk about. The bad news now that's come out of of the game and um, new signing Car- uh, Diego Carlos went down um, uh, reasonably late on in the game and it, it's turned out that he's uh, he's ruptured his Achilles tendon. Um, I'm no physio, I'm no expert, or, or you know, I haven't got a PhD in these things. But um, what I'm I'm seeing is that that's potentially him out for for six to nine months, which is a an absolute travesty. It's um, it's really ruined my day today um, reading that, and uh, 
he'll obviously miss that that time and he'll, he'll miss the, the the World Cup as well. So, you know, for, reaction to this, Craig, first of all, and you know, and what a, what a, what a loss he's going to be for us. Uh, really, really, um, really disappointing news. Um, I think that we've really had some some bad luck. I know all, all teams have injuries, but I I look back through my Villa Rolodex, going back to Fash the Bash uh, having a career ending injury at, at Old Trafford um, back in the mid nineties. Some of our older fans will also remember Luke Nillis. Um, uh, finishing his career at uh, Portman Road uh, in a challenge with Richard Wright, um, we've had in more recent times. Codger was 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 a personal favourite of mine. I know Andy loved him as well. Uh, <laughs> broke his ankle very severely and and was never quite the same player again. I think you know real severe ankle break. Wesley, we've spoken about challenge from Ben Mee. We've never seen him again. <laughs> never started a Premier League uh, game for Aston Villa ever again. And last season we had Bailey. Uh, score a goal against Everton ironically and, and basically bust himself up for the season he, he never really got going again so to have your new signing this year in your in your uh, home debut in his home debut should I say go down with such a serious injury it just feel it does feel like Lady Luck isn't smiling on Villa at the moment and it's a little it's a little difficult not to feel somewhat hard done by yeah I mean firstly the the emotional thing you got to feel for the guy like this was a big move for him designed to get into the world cup squad so he can put himself front and center and, and that's gone for him and, and that kind of brings me on to my head which is this was probably his last international tournament attempt which is why he made the move and for villa this is a a 29 year old getting a serious injury like it's it's not an easy injury for any player certainly not a 29 year old physical defender and it it really worries me about our investment in, in that man. And as I say, the, the man comes before the investment, but this is a tough injury to come back from. He may be back before the end of the season, maybe not. And then let's hope it's not another Wesley. We might have another player who who showed us glimpses and then had his career snatched away from him and another Brazilian big guy for that matter. And it's it's just really sad to see. And, and it, it does really worry me because we... The one thing I think I took away from Saturday more than anything else is that we had a solid foundation in Mings and Carlos. I think they formed a great partnership and I was excited to see what we'd look like with them this season. But um, but yeah, it, it's horrible to see. I don't know if, if you boys think it's if it's bad luck. Maybe it's a case that we're, we're playing earlier in the season on, on hard pitches, as Jurgen Klopp says, or maybe it's a case as well. I mean, I, I, you know, these injuries are freak, but if we weren't backs to the wall, body on the line defending at the end of the game, that doesn't happen. It just feels, maybe I'm just clutching at straws here because it feels so unfair for both the player and the club. And and as Craig says, it's it's only Villa. It, it seems like an only Villa. This is a man with... with a clean slate as in terms of injuries. He's gone 29 years of his life without getting a serious injury, really. And it's his first game at Villa Park. He picks one up. It's it's typical Villa. Yeah, it seems it always seems like that, doesn't it? I'm sure every club would um, would would have a list of of, of similar uh, similar issues. Really, the only thing you can say is that it's it, it's come out of nothing, and you know it's it's not like uh, Wesley, which was obviously a you know. A, a horror tackle that wasn't even punished with a yellow card or a penalty. You know, it was it was a it was an an awful tackle, which the type of tackle which should be banned um, from the game, and it's that's that's ruined his 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 career. This is a bit different. 
Um, but like you, Dan, I was I was I was watching the uh, the partnership he he was developing with with Tyra Mings at the back, and both of them just looked so fluid and comfortable there. They looked like they'd been playing together there for two or three years. You know, it was it was it was nice to see. There was one moment in particular where the ball came came sort of down. Out, on, on Mings's side and he was in a bit of a foot race and he won the foot race with, with the player. It might have been Anthony Gordon and I think it was Gordon, yeah. And and he kind of he kind of uh, under normal circumstances he has to deal with that situation there. He has to turn and play it play it forward or he has to he has to play it out get it get it out of play to, to keep it safe. But he, he didn't Diego just stepped across and uh and took the ball from him and Played it, played it into the midfield, and I just thought they had this uh, this understanding, and it was lovely to see Tyra Mings playing for a player, playing with a player that he wasn't having to coach through the game, and you know he he was able to focus on what he was doing, which was you know a lot of uh, chest pumping to the whole thing, <laughs> that sort of thing, and <laughs> getting them on side. But he he played really well. You were right, Mings was absolutely superb, and I think that was because of Carlos. I mean, it's kind of. Mings had the pressure off of him. He didn't have to win every aerial duel, which is lucky because he didn't. But he didn't have to ping a ball, you know, the length of the pitch to create something because Carlos can do that too. And I think it was noticeable how simple Mings was keeping it because he didn't feel like he had to win the game on his own or, or defend on his own. And I think Diego Carlos had a lot, a lot to do with that. And I'm, I'm really worried about our season it seems bizarre about a guy who's played two games for us but it makes me worry about our season because he fixed a big hole in our team and and suddenly that that hole is gaping wide open again yeah I think I I've been chastised and and mocked and critiqued for saying that 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 Konza was was hiding behind Mings I think some people are beginning to come come round to that thinking. Some people are not, and that, that Mings was always the number one centre half at, 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 at Villa. So the fact that he had someone in Carlos uh, who was, if not as good, maybe slightly better, I think was going to be really beneficial for Mings moving forward. And now that's gone. It's the onus, and and particularly with Carlos's uh, on the on the ball. Um, passing prowess it really took that pressure off Mings so Mings could play it simple again Konza was the one who always got away with playing it simple little short square passes little short uh, sideways passes into cash etc whereas Mings was charged with doing the progressive the progressive stuff Diego Carlos being out now Mings means that that onus is going to fall back on Mings's plate and we see that that is probably not where he's he's, he's best served Mings has whatever his record is for England the, the the 14 clean sheets in 17 games, including being England's starting centre-back at the last major tournament, might I add. Um, that's not just in friendlies against Lithuania he's done that. He's done that at the Euros. And and now, unfortunately, it's going to be back on him. And, and I think for England, Mingus does so well, as I was saying, because he gets to keep it simple because it's Stones who's doing the progressive passing or Maguire's doing the progressive passing. So it's going to be a shame for, for, for us as Villa fans that we're not going to get a chance to see keep it simple, Mings, because now, unless we bring someone new in, I know you want to talk about that, Andy, uh, the onus is going to be back on Mings to make the play. And that's where things maybe don't go so well for Tyrone. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get onto that. So, so what do we do? I mean, you know, how do we 
how do we replace him? Is this a case of, 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 of now sort of using what's left of the window to to get someone in, you know, maybe at the expense of of um, other areas of the team that they might have still been looking at strengthening? Or do we do we go back and um you know to the to the Conza partnership or the or or, or give Chambers a, a run in the team? where do we go from here, Dan? I, it's such a tough one. I'd I don't think Cons is the answer anymore. I think his game has, has fallen off of a cliff last season and the injury hasn't helped him either. And, and I think Craig's right. I think he's hidden behind Mings for too long. I really like Callum Chambers. He's been such a surprise signing for me and I think he had a great preseason. He's he's a closer profile to Carlos in the fact that he's comfortable on the ball and, and a bit more of a loud, experienced player. But... I can't help but think we've got to go out and buy. I mean, it was a it was a huge hole before the season. That's why we went out and got Carlos, and and that hole just reappears with him gone. The, the problem is we have five centre backs on the books. You've got to you can't buy a sixth. It's it's just madness. Then so we're we're looking at offloading players. I think Courtney Hall's probably going to go somewhere you imagine before the window closes, and then. Who are you bringing in? Are you bringing in a top class player to when you've just invested twenty nine million in Carlos, or are you bringing someone in on loan? I mean, Everton did that with Connor Cody, which is a good pickup for them. Maybe we need something similar to that, but but there's not that many players out there who'd be willing to come to us. I mean, unless it's just not. I mean, centre backs are hard to come by these days, so. It's a really tough one, and I mean, I don't have the answers, but that's why I'm not in the recruitment team at Villa Park. But it's—I I do think we need to sign, and I think it's going to cost us in other areas of the pitch because because surely that then Kai Bosch is our our striker budget or our number eight budget if we've got to go out and fill a fill a defensive slot. I think the ideal the ideal scenario here is um, is a loan of a player who is looking to get into the World Cup who is a top-level player who maybe has fallen out of favour with, with a manager, but is still of top-level top ability. But the problem that you have is, actually, I saw someone on Twitter earlier suggest we, we get Axel Twanzebi back, and I really choked on my Cheerios. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, and no. Um, so we need someone. Uh, uh, Bailly has been mentioned as a, as, as a possible, but I'm not sure he's he's up to up to snuff either. But the problem is, going back to your earlier point, Daniel, this the Gerard uh, tactical uh, feeling is to empty the midfield. And when you empty the midfield, you are asking a lot of your centre halves, and you're asking, you're exposing them. is is the short thing, which is why you see fouls. We saw Konza getting sent off a couple of occasions last week. That's because Gerard empties the midfield and leaves these guys exposed. Now Kamara is doing a wonderful job screening and 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 sorting some of that stuff out. But just when you play like that, you you need a specific kind of of centre half. You need a Diego Carlos, someone who's really quick over the ground, someone who's really good at interceptions, someone who's really good at reading the game. So it has to be a specific profile of player. You can't put Tarkovsky in there. So I don't know what those things were about because he doesn't have the legs. Cody, uh, other people have said, oh, we should got Cody. Well, obviously he doesn't have the legs either and he's more suited to a back three. So it has to be a particular kind of centre-half that can deal with that kind of exposure because being a centre-half in Gerrard's empty midfield system is not easy. Now I wonder um, whether we'll finally finally 
get that uh, the Southampton guy in Bednarek. I wonder if um, the, the <laughs> finally, after all these years, have been linked with him. Whether that will that will come. Or oh, Joe Gomez, Craig, another one of your 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 bows mm. on the bench tonight. <laughs> Joe Gomez with Nat Phillips starting. On, we're recording this on Monday, listener. And Nat Phillips is starting over Joe Gomez. So maybe the humiliation of that will be enough to send him packing. <laughs> As I've mentioned before on the podcast, I don't know who else needs to hear this. Joe Gomez isn't very good. <laughs> Not only isn't he very good, he's also injury prone. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, um, he's like the Oxlade Chamberlain of defenders. The other, the other option, of course, is 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 to move uh, Camera back to the the back four. You know, this is a play position he's played in. You know, um, and whether that's something they can do, and maybe give Eric Burnham a. A, a run in the in the uh, in the holding role. Maybe, Who knows? You know, you're going to lose so much of what Camera brings to the team. I thought he was another player who was superb at the weekend, and yeah. and I think he makes everyone look better. He's he's got a little bit of Sergio Busquets about him, and the way he drops into the back, the back two creates a back three, and he passes it. And I, I thought he was absolutely superb. And I, I get your reasoning, Andy, but then you it's a, a problem we've just fixed, and then you're creating it again. It's it's just so unfortunate because yeah. we we were starting to build something there and it all goes again. But you're right, maybe Tim Tim Arugbenham is the answer. I hope he is. It's that'd be nice. Any other names you can yeah. think of? Or oh, Nakamba? Yeah, maybe not in the back four, but um, <laughs> he's not quite big enough. I don't think to play at the back. <laughs> but you know, he's not been. Uh, we've not seen him, have we, at all? Um, even on the bench, I don't think. Has he been on the bench? Um, so uh, I mean they've got they've they've got players in the squad, and one of the reasons you have a squad is to is to cover these kind of situations. It's just that because there is a couple of weeks to go before the window closes, you know that there's 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 talk that they might look at, at doing it. And logically, like you say, having having fixed that part of the team with the signing of of Carlos, it makes sense that now that's gone again. You've, you you go and fix it again, um, you know. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see to see what they do. Um, but I, I did want to just um, just touch on uh, on 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 Mings again. We talked a lot about Mings in this podcast and and Watkins. You know, they they, they were both brought back into the team um, at either end of the field. Had did both had had good games. Obviously, two assists for Watkins. Absolute tireless running up front, and and some great link up play with with Danny Ings and, and and the midfield. Missed some chances as we've talked about, but you know generally offers a lot to the team. And with Tyrone, you know his his organisation, he lifted the crowd. He was, you know, late on. I think he made a, a real important, um, uh, you know, block to to really save the points. Um, for Villa and he looked tuned in again and focused and whatever has happened has certainly had that reaction from him um, do you almost feel guys to start with Craig that Mings and Watkins have almost by being out the team and having to be brought back in and then Villa winning have almost made themselves undroppable now I don't think it's it's undroppable I don't think you can be I think that that, that Watkins is really important for Villa because he's the best for, best all-round forward we have at this moment in time. Um, Keenan Davis left on loan this season. I know that not many people think that Keenan Davis is a viable option. I really do, particularly as a, a foil for Danny Ings. <laughs> if you want to get the best out of Danny Ings, I feel like Keenan Davis would actually be the best partner, but I digress. Um, I think that 
Gerard has tried to cover his backside by saying that Ings, you know, uh, all all the all the he he said uh, Watkins had a problem last week. Uh, Buendia apparently had a problem last week and couldn't start. Mings had a problem last week and couldn't start. Um, it might be true. It might be true, but it sounds like um, backside covering to me, but it, it might be true. And in terms of Watkins, his performance certainly allows you to to make sure that you have to bring him into the team, uh, particularly against Crystal Palace, because they have physical, physically gifted players, um, but physically gifted players with more ability than, than Bournemouth. So we'll need to be up for the challenge and, and, and Watkins has a physical threat to do that. What I would say with Watkins is where he leaves himself open to being dropped is with that, that, that finishing. And again, the, the first touch I mentioned it already, you can't necessarily have your striker missing one-on-ones with such regularity and there'd be no consequence for it as good as he does in the other fields of the, of, of the pitch. I guess the, the, what the, as I say, the, but the, the benefit that Watkins has right now is that he's the best that we have. So I think that gives him the nod, but should Villa choose to dip into the transfer market, then that might change. I, I think they are undroppable, not, not just because of form, but because I think they're, possibly two of the most important players at the club. I think they're two of the smartest bits of business we've done in recent years for for various reasons. They're both England internationals at one time or other, both relatively young, both charismatic, hardworking men who represent what we want from a football team. Problem is, they're not the finished article. They need coaching. I think Ollie Watkins especially. Let's not forget his first season in the league, he was banging them away. He needs coaching. He needs to be turned into the striker that he could so clearly be. The same with with, uh, with Tyron Mings. I think he just needs coaching into being the dominant centre-back that we know he is. And I think that's maybe where Gerrard's caught between a rock and a hard place because he needs to win now. He's not there to improve players. That's not why he was brought in necessarily. He was there to to take us to the next level. So that's why he wants to buy that success. But but I think that they're two most important assets at the club. They're, they're two of my favourite players. That's probably why I, I like the way they play. I like like what they've done for the club. And and I think if we can get them both to, to where their level could be, then they're better than anyone else that we could possibly bring in in the transfer market. That said, as, as Craig says, I, I think much as Danny Ings needs a foil, I think Ollie Watkins needs a foil because he's not a natural goal-scoring goal centre-back and uh, goal-scoring striker. And as I was saying about Tyrone Mings earlier, he needs a foil in, in Diego Carlos to get the best out of him. It's, football's a game of partnerships, and, and I think both of those have been without partners for a long time. And and let's hope that we can find a way to make them tick because I'd be heartbroken if we'd sold either of them. And and rumours continue to swirl about Ollie Watkins. I think Tyrone's won't be leaving now after this in- injury, but but rumours still swirl over Watkins, possibly even to our opponents uh, up next, Crystal Palace. But, but I, for one, hope we don't sell him because I think he's potentially a Premier League great striker. He just needs coaching. Yeah, I mean, if, if Watkins leaves the club, they'd better have someone... You know, really top draw coming in because he does he does um, leave a hole in the team, and I think the reason I kind of say undroppable, it's not it's not really. I mean, I agree with you know Craig. No one should be undroppable. You should be able to leave anyone out if they're not playing well. Um, but it's really about the the impact of of that decision. So the first week of the season, they were both left out on the bench. And it was a headline, you know, Sky Sports, BBC, you know, they, they all made the point that these players were left out of the team because they're in, they are England internationals. And um, I suppose it's, you know, on, on our level, it's, it's, it's similar to, to, 
to Spurs leaving Harry Kane out or you know or, or Romero or someone like that you know that 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 they're they're the big the big players in the team so and it's a big story and you have to win if you leave players like that out you have to win you know Dean Smith fell fell foul of that didn't he he, he had his Hal Mary moment where he he dropped Mings and and it went it went horribly wrong and we lost 4-1 to West Ham so you know you've got to if you, if you are leaving out these big players um for whatever reason it might be fully justified but if you don't win um it comes back to bite you and i think maybe gerard needs to learn that he, he must he must know because you know it's it's happened so many times down the years you know with 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 big players um i'm not sure he was Hullet he was at, probably uh, never... Hullet leaving out Shearer at newcastle was yeah, the it, uh Prime example, was, you know. That was that was probably the, the one that comes off the top of my head. I think he was yeah. out the next day. I think he probably yeah, he might, was, not, yeah. might, might not have made it to the night. Yeah, they lost to Sunderland and he was sacked. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, ridiculous power grab. Just, <laughs> just gone wrong. <laughs> that was a classic moment um, in the Premier League. But I think... Uh, I, I, it's not quite the same, but it's it's along those lines, isn't it? And, 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 and I think... When you're up against it, you you have to, you, even though you've got all these subs, you know you've got to pick your your, your top men, haven't you? And that's one of the reasons, I suppose, um, when Deer needs to play now as well. So, um, yeah, I think I, I, I really hope Watkins doesn't go. I, I, I've just got this, I've, like you, I've, I've you, you keep hearing things and you think, you know, where is this coming from? But he looks, he looks happy enough. He looks, um, he he looked really up for it, and certainly after his his um, his two assists, I mean, he's 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 really sort of made his mark um, in in that game, and I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be starting again for the foreseeable future. Um, but we're playing uh, Crystal Palace away this Sunday, this Saturday, sorry, Saturday three o'clock. Um, Palace are currently playing Liverpool as we're recording this on on Monday night. I'm not sure what the uh, what the score is. What's one nil, one nil Palace. Oh, uh-huh. there we go. So, you know, there. <laughs> that's a that's a really um, a really big big score oh, line. If they hang one one, that. Diaz just oh. scored. Oh, blimey. There we go. This, by there the way, listener, is probably the worst bit of podcasting ever. You're getting live commentary on a game that is probably 48 hours old by now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go, you know. But it's still, you know, they're playing anyway. They lost their first game to Arsenal on the opening night of the, the season, on the Friday night, oh. um, which I suppose is to be expected. Um, they're undoubtedly a dangerous side with with great many attacking options, including like Zaha, Alisi, and and Eze. Although um, they are missing Gallagher from last season, who was such an important part of their team, and of course Villa legend Christian Benteke has made the uh, made the move to DC United, I believe, uh, over over your ends, Craig. So you'll be. Uh, You'll be heading that way, I dare say. To I the genuinely am going to try and, and see him um, when he comes to Philadelphia. Even though, I mean, Washington's close enough to drive, so I, I would like to see Christian Benteke on his farewell tour. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What a, still got great memories of him. What a, what a player he was I'll, for I, us. I, I'd love to have a chat with him and say, if you had your time again, would you have made that Liverpool move? Because you, you were one of the, it sounds mad to say now, but he was one of the top strikers in Europe at that point in time. And he yeah. just really went, his career went down the pan. Yeah. Uh, not down the pan, pan, but you know. It, <laughs> it, 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 he didn't hit the heights. He didn't, 
maintain those heights. So I wonder if he regrets that decision. Not that Villa were going anywhere, no. but maybe if he made a different move to a team that was more... Anyway, forget that. Let's, yeah. let's carry on. <laughs> we're trying to keep these short. We're doing very well. <laughs> but um, it's, 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 it's a game that has good memories. I think for, for Gerrard, he, he, Villa won uh, 2-1 at uh, Selhurst Park on his second game as a Villa manager last season in a really good comprehensive performance on 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 the day. Um what do you think of this one Craig any any changes to the team anything you'd like to say well obviously there'll be changes Carlos will come out of the team I presume but um any what what would you go with uh, certainly at the back what's what what are you thinking? Um I would bring in Callum Chambers. I think that Chambers has been a little bit hard done by talking about players in form. I don't know that, that, that Chambers ever lost form, but he, he lost his place. So I'd like to see him uh, as opposed to Esri Konza partnering partnering Tyrone Bings. I would hope for a better performance on uh, Luca Dean. We kind of um we didn't we didn't mention him too much, but I I feel like he had a, a really poor showing defensively on Saturday. So um I, I guess maybe that was just emotional for him coming up against Everton. Hopefully he can be back to his best. Matt Cash was excellent, so back four, back five is is going to be hopefully that. And I would consider um, bringing in an additional sitter, uh, be that marvellous, or Tim Urigbunum or Douglas Louise to, to pad out the midfield against Crystal Palace, uh, with Ings maybe dropping out. And obviously then Brindia would start instead of Coutinho. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see same again, other than obviously the Carlos thing. But it would take some brass balls for Gerard to leave Brindia on the bench again. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Gerard doesn't like to play two up top away, but I, I really think we we should do. I think the the Palace centre backs are there to be got at, and I think playing two up against them and yeah, bring Brindia in and, and Chambers has to start. I mean, he is potentially the best free transfer we've ever signed in that regard. He's he looked phenomenal last year, pinging balls around, kind of scoring goals for us. He. He really surprised me. So I hope he starts and gets his chance because he might solve our centre-back issue for all we know. Um, but it's a big challenge, this one. I think that, as Andy said, that that Crystal Palace performance last year is probably Gerard's best performance kind of as manager. I think it's our best team performance. And it's not an easy game. And it's, it's the start of a run of not easy games for Villa. And I think as much as there were positives we could take out the weekend, it was Everton and I suspect they'll be in and around the bottom six this season. They did not look like a good team. Um, and I think we'll learn a lot more about Villa over the next few weeks. A good result away at Palace and I'll start to genuinely hope a little bit. But um, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, but I don't see the point of changing a formation that seems to actually work for us. But no doubt that means that Gerard will change it and we'll probably go back to the Christmas tree or something. Yeah, I think I think I think I'd, I'd certainly go with Chambers as well. Um, on Luca Dean, I thought he was he was a bit a bit ropey at the back, but going forward, I thought he was he was excellent down that side with um, with with Ramsey. Re- really, uh, really impressive sort of combination. Certainly late on when Buendia came on as well. Yeah, and uh, like like we said, I'd, I'd I'd be bringing Buendia in for for Coutinho for this one. I'm not sure whether I'd, I'd I'd like to keep the two up front, but I think we need to be a bit more pragmatic in the midfield. Um, and I'd be bringing uh, Douglas Louise in as well for this one, and um, having that double pivot in front of the defence. I think particularly with with Diego not there, so um, I'd I'd be, um, I'd be I'd be doing that. I think, and yeah, uh, it seems uh, seems a little bit harsh to drop Danny Ings after after scoring his goal, but. 
you know, then that's that's Premier League football, isn't it? And uh, you know, you have to um, you have to, I think, pick the, the the right team for the occasion. You can't just rely on picking the same team every week and 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 um, you know, and, and and not taking account of the opposition, certainly away from home. So. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly be doing that and you know we'll, we'll see how we get on but do you want to give us a prediction guys start with Craig 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. I was going to go 1-1-2 one, um, but, but I'm, I'm most looking forward to this game Zaha versus Matty Cash I think that's going to be great fun to watch because Matt Cash was <laughs> again superb at the weekend he's become such a good defensive right back it's going to be great fun to watch but I mean I was going to go 1-1 one, one. seeing as Craig did it I'll go 1-0 Villa I'll be hopeful for a change Andy yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go for. Uh, I'm gonna go for one nil Villa. I think we're gonna. We, we, we. It'll be a backs to the wall, and we'll 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 hit them on the break, and it'll be a, a Jacob Ramsey um, smash and grab for for late on a late win, um, and we'll all be very delighted with that if that happens. I dare say. Um, but thanks for joining me, guys. It's been uh, been lovely to to catch up on a on a winning. Um, start to the home campaign this season um hope uh, hope you all enjoyed it listener and i hope um you know thanks for thanks for joining us again and thanks for your continued support into this season um and if you are going to 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 crystal palace take care there is a train strike um so uh make sure you leave plenty of time at the weekend to get to the game have a great day and we'll be back be back next week to um I think it's the cup next week as well. First round of the Carabao Cup, so uh, away at Bolton. So we'll be we'll be looking at that and uh, and, and building up to um, to to the weekend game um, home to West Ham as well. So until then, stay safe and up the Villa. <laughs>